Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. Drum roll, please. <laughs> summer cram. No, that's not. <laughs> We're out of the summer cram. Our first episode out of the summer cram, to yep. be exact. It is no longer summer, people. I mean, technically, I think it is. Yeah. In terms of is. calendars, mm-hmm. still summer. But the fall is almost here, and yep. I'm very excited for it. And what better way to kick off such a beautiful season than talk about a fucking horror movie? I know. It takes place around Halloween I was going to say, yeah, and it's right. It takes place during Halloween. The leaves are falling. The candy is out. Little kids in costumes. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. Yep. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting property to make a film on. Yeah. yeah. Based on children's, well, scary stories. Children's scary stories. Yeah. It's funny, though, because like if you were a kid, granted, I think these books came out in the 80s, but if you were a kid and you were on that goosebump shit. Yeah. You're pussy. You, yeah. You, you're on that the, pussy ass goosebump shit. The real shit. kids with the real shit, they fucking read scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. They were the ones that had hair on their nugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hairiest nugs in the biz. We only fuck with the swampies with the hairy nugs. Yeah. And we know you're out there swampies. Actually, they reprinted the books, I think in the last maybe four years with different illustrations because they said the old ones were like too fucked up Too yeah. I mean, I remember them as a kid. They were, uh, they were pretty gnarly, but I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep in into all of that. But I do want to get deep onto these swampies for a second. You know what I mean? I want to muck it up with the fucking slimy swampies out there. <laughs> yeah, we can we can muck it up. <laughs> yeah, I just want to get down in the dirt with these fucking animals. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, I want to I want to say swampies. How you doing? Thanks for listening. Thanks for making it through the summer cram with us. We had good times. We had bad times. It was, I would like to say it was 50-50. It really felt more like a 70-30 leading mostly towards shit. (laughs) Yeah. We saw a lot of shit movies for you guys. We hope you appreciated us putting out two episodes a week. It started up really good with John Wick and we were on a high horse and then it was like Godzilla, Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah. It was a rough season for us, but we we did it. We made it through and now we're back down to one episode a week. So we're going to be a little bit more particular with our movie choices, mm-hmm. at least when we can be. But now, yeah, I mean, Christmas is always huge. You're probably gonna have like four huge movies drop on Christmas alone. 1917, Star Wars, and I think there's one other one that's slated for Christmas already. Yeah, it's... I don't know who's trying to compete with Star Wars right now. Like, what are you doing? I'm actually more excited for 1917. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow, interesting. And you're actually a Star Wars fan. I am. There's Star Wars pops but I think, in this room. But I think it was because The Last Jedi wasn't my favorite. Brought it down. And Solo wasn't my favorite either. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, they've been on a downward spiral, I'd say. So. And Sam Mendes never makes movies. So <laughs> I'm excited for So it's like an event. Yes. It's an event that he's coming out. Well, that's cool. But we're not here to talk about that movie. We're here to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm. And... There's somebody that we wanted to bring on to talk about this movie with us. So we're not two dudes right now. We're fucking three dudes. The holy trifecta. The ho- <laughs> I think it's the holy trinity. No, no, not on this show. Fair. <laughs> this is the holy trifecta. Because we're going to fuck at the end of this episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's funny because I could actually hear the crickets outside. Yeah, there there are actual crickets. I put them out there. I knew this was gonna happen. happen. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, I haven't done stand up in a while, so I gotta <laughs> knock the rust out. But no, we got we got a guest on the futon, and for the first time ever, a returning guest. Yeah, I mean, we've also only had two guests on the show so far. <laughs> we don't get a lot of guests. We're still working out the microphone situation. Everyone can get off our fucking back. Yeah, you swampies should be lucky for us to have a third microphone. You should feel <laughs> fucking honored. That we're going the distance for you low-life scoundrels. Jeez, man. You're on a new level. I love level. our swampies. You're love on another level right now. You, you got you to gotta take down the energy level. Whatever, man. <laughs> so welcome to the futon, Mr. Ducky. Nick, how you doing? Hey, guys. And hey, swampies. I'm doing great today. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I'd like to bring up a little funny thing. And it's and you guys, I think, are going to get a pretty good kick out of this. Up until literally last week, I thought it was the summer cramp. What? I assumed <laughs> that the idea was that you guys were going to see so many movies that you were actually were getting cramps between the movie sitting and the futon sitting. Either that or you thought that we were watching all of these movies solely when we were menstruating. <laughs> <laughs> we had really bad cramps all summer. It's been a brutal summer, but not for the cramping. Yeah. I was going to say one three month long menstrual period <laughs> over the entirety of summer sounds like a rough. But, you know, I was I was rolling with it. Summer cramp. I yeah. got a cramp seeing a movie or two this summer, so I it just worked for me. Okay, okay. In I all, understand it. In all fairness, there's a lot of movies that are way too long, and I do cramp up sometimes watching these like two hour, 45 minutes. So you're not totally wrong, but I'm kind of ashamed in you because we have merch that literally says summer cram on it, which you can find at todosmoviereviews.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It was actually when I was looking at the shirts that I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Was I spelling that wrong in the text? I okay, summer cram because they're cramming in movies. Yes. Okay, now yep. it all makes sense. Here I am at the you know middle of August. Yeah, and we got crammed by some of them. Oh, we got crammed by a lot of them. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's been a while. Last time you were on was Alita Battle Angel. So what's what's been up, dude? I mean, I think that time was the day after your wedding or two days after your fucking wedding. Yeah. So you've been married for a lot of this show yeah and it's i feel like we're a big part of that i completely I agree like i was we, feeling that same we thing. should take a lot of responsibility you know and ownership right. over that you, you are entirely right and i feel like if the marriage is a success that's our win yeah and if it fails it was probably you <laughs> <laughs> well believe it or not guys this marriage has been a great success for me going forward. Oh! Uh, August 15th was our six-month 
anniversary. So first half of the year knocked out, rest of our lives to go at this point. Nice. And uh, so far, so good. You know, I, I, I admittedly did piss the wife off a little bit today. Damn. But story for a different podcast, I think. So <laughs> Save it for our furniture podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we, we air all our grievances with yeah. our significant others. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Are you telling me that there's dirty laundry on the furniture podcast right now? <laughs> I don't think that works. <laughs> I don't think that tracks. <laughs> But you know what would be good for the Furniture Podcast is you guys actually have my old couch. That is very true. I love that couch, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I'm pretty sure I left some Doritos in there for you <laughs> out of the bag. Cool Ranch or nacho cheese? Both, baby. Oh, shit. Wow, you you really are lucky. Either way, they felt like fire coming out. <laughs> yeah, that is scary. Perfect segue for this episode. <laughs> You know what? Shoehorning in. There's nothing more <laughs> scary than diarrhea. <laughs> Am I right? No. Okay. This might get a little bit personal. I do actually have a, a poop-related story. And I would love I, to hear that, Sky. I would... What? I said, I would love to hear that, Sky. Okay, good. <laughs> I almost got really offended because you were like, I don't want to hear that shit. No, man. Come on. Lay, lay the diarrhea on me. <laughs> the, that's the thing is I realized recently I would rather have like 10 days of diarrhea than two days of constipation. I was so backed up the other day. Like it felt like it was a summer cramp. Oh, wow. I was cramped up. I was like, I just want to shit. Constipation. No breathing. <laughs> Don't give a fuck <laughs> if I wipe my ass bleeding. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just wanted it out of me, baby. So basically, I had a baby. It's a boy. I named him the Juggernaut because that's what it felt like coming out of me. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's the end of my story. Okay. That's a great story. Your story kind of reminds me of uh, Colin's uh, airplane story that he was referring to earlier. Airplane. Oh, yeah. I was on a plane in January, and I don't like being on planes, hmm. but we got stuck on the runway for over an hour because Woof. the sugar was backed up, and the pilot was like, Hey everybody, uh that's your pilot speaking. Uh we got a big poopy backup. Uh <laughs> no, that's for, not real. No, it is for real. Oh my god. I, I was super pissed because I don't like flying and I was on the plane for an extra hour. Hey man, good on that pilot for letting you know what was up. I mean at least he wasn't like, uh, we're gonna have some technical difficulties today. Yeah, I guess it was just like, hey, too much shit in the can. Yeah. We need to clean it up. <laughs> you you fucking swampies on this plane really, really filled it up with shit, didn't you? We can't even take off. <laughs> I wish I could be that pilot just because, like, it's a great announcement. Yeah, that is a pretty good announcement. You know what? We should become pilots. <laughs> we should become pilots right now because I got an idea. What's your idea, buddy? It's, it's an idea for a place to go. And the place I want to go, it's kind of far away. But it's not in a galaxy far, far away. Mm -hmm. It's just mm -hmm. regular far away. But yeah, I, I, I don't need an X-Wing or a Y-Wing. Uh, it would be cool. I honestly don't need any of the alphabet wings. <laughs> I want to see a Q-Wing. It's It's got like a big round, like it looks like a fan boat. Yeah. And it just has one extra fin coming out of like the corner of it. That's okay. the Q-Wing. All right. Everyone's like, what's that extra fin doing? Like, oh, nothing. We just ran out of letters. It's the Q-Wing. It's the Q-Wing. <laughs> Only Kylo flies it. I don't know. He thinks he's cool. <laughs> thinks he's special. The queuing sponsored by Monster Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the atmosphere. <laughs> but no, man. I just want to. I just want to become pilots so we can hop on a plane, fly cross country to 
California, where the movies are made. Yeah. Which actually isn't even true. I feel like a lot of movies are made in Georgia. But that's not the point, because there's a special place I want to go that I can only get to by plane for some reason now, and it's a place I like to call the fucking uh, trailer park. <laughs> you asking me a question there? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. This show's gone off the rails. What but are we talking about today? I don't know. You know what? I'm going to ask our guest because I'm in the dark here. I know we're supposed to be the hosts, but I lost control of this ship years ago. <laughs> we started this podcast in January. Exactly, man. I'm losing my grit, but uh, what are we doing here today? Well, if the screen in front of me tells me right, we are doing Zombieland 2 Double Tap today. Yeah, I guess I could have just looked at the computer screen. You're right. Thank you for letting the Swampies know that I'm a dumbass. <laughs> really coming, stepping on my toes here, huh? Come, I think he's coming for my job. I was like, you know what? Leave. <laughs> Get out of here. But yeah, how are you feeling about this? I cannot wait for Zombieland 2. I had so much fun with the first movie. And I mean, it's still one that I watch at any time that I see it on any time that I think about it. I, I will pop that movie. And that's a great, great zombie comedy, in my opinion. That's w- what I want out of a zombie movie these days, I think. Dude, it's really Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead are like the epitome of what you could do with comedy being in like a horror movie. I would almost argue Dead Don't Die got pretty close to. But his, that comedy was so much more on the cut. Co- it was less less like blow the brains out and make a joke about it. More of the like almost talk about the awkwardness of the zombie apocalypse right now kind of feeling to it. I actually went and saw Zombieland with Nikki. I don't know if you were there, though. Were you there? I know Adam was there. And Nikki was there. I really don't remember, unfortunately. I, I do remember seeing this movie in theater two or three times, honestly. I saw it so. twice because the first time I saw it, I missed the From Whom the Bells Toll intro. No! Yeah, okay. I, I missed that. And then when I went the second time, I got to see it, and I was like, oh, man, I that was awesome. I'm it, kind of upset I missed it the first time. Such a good wind-up. Oh, man. Yeah, we wanted to do this trailer for Dead Don't Die, but it wasn't out yet. But there's been talk about this movie being in production, or is it, or isn't it, or are they secretly... Sh- filming and whatever like yeah this is one that i was very excited when the trailer came out i was hyped and it was funny because like a lot of times the trailers come out i watch them at work and people are like what are you watching and i tell them they're like oh whatever but this one i was like zombieland 2 trailer just came out and everybody was like oh shit and they all pulled their phone out to watch it dude the first movie was kind of like a fucking spectacle when it came out like everybody was talking about it and rightfully so it was really funny and like it was super violent which you don't see in a lot of comedies and the violence wasn't really played up for gags all the time like sometimes yeah but i feel like they they found a really good balance but also they set a really high bar for themselves and mm-hmm. sometimes these sequels this late after their original release uh they haven't been providing really like what we're looking for so i don't know what do you say you want to take a look at this trailer yeah let's take a look let's do it I love the way this trailer is set up right away. With all Academy Award, Award winner, nominee. Yep. It is crazy to think that your four main characters are all like of that caliber. Mm-hmm. With the exception of Woody Harrelson, I don't think the other three were at the time of Zombie Land, the first one. No, definitely not. It may, maybe Emma Stone would be the only one who guess but i really don't know either to be honest with you. no i don't think so because she was still really young like that was hot off the heels of super bad 
And, and I'm thinking, like, EZA was still... I don't, had EZA been out? No, not yet. I don't even think so. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just... I love Jesse Eisenberg, too. We were a family. Dysfunctional. Huge fan of Lex Luthor. family isn't. Merry Christmas. What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. <laughs> the Twinkie, did you see that? Yeah, so good. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. This is Tallahassee. Is that Zoe, uh, I think it's Deitch? Is how you pronounce her last name from Flower? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley. You don't have weed, do you? Do I look like the type of person that would have weed? <laughs> I'm sorry. Boom. Yeah. I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're going to go get her. We ride it, Dawn. Start talking. You first. I like the monster truck thing. I was going to say, I already really oh. like all the sets <laughs> they're setting up in this trailer. It looks like there's gonna be another big payoff at like a carnival type thing, but this one looks more like a renaissance fair or something. Yeah. Is it me or does, does he kind of remind you of... I don't oh. like you. <laughs> at all. I think you double parked. Or more perpendicular parked. <laughs> I did not see that part of the trailer the first time I saw it. Hello, everyone. This might not be the first teaser trailer that came out. This might be like a full-blown trailer that we just watched. That was a nice surprise. I didn't know Thomas Middleditch was involved in this. Or uh, fucking, was that Luke Wilson, right? This is the uh, director from the first one actually coming back to do this one. Nice. Ruben Fleischer, I'm pretty sure is how you pronounce his last name. That being said, recently did Venom. Oh. And we know you love that movie. Sure. Did you ever see it? No. Oh, okay, damn it. <laughs> Ducky, you saw it though, right? Absolutely not. Oh, you didn't? No, I what did not, unfortunately, no. That's I, I that just was at that time it was just a miss for me. Damn. Maybe you should buy it on Blu-ray and let me borrow it for three months. That's actually the way things should go. Sky just mooches off my DVD collection all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking sweet. <laughs> And then if I really like it, I just go buy it for myself like the day after I give it back to him. This looks I'm I'm really stoked on this, though. This looks really funny. And Zombieland was one of my favorite ones, like favorite movies that year. And I'm glad that it's the same director working on it and the same cast. They could have just rebooted this and just got brought new people in. Yeah, especially with like the zombie genre, like people can just die and then you just follow somebody else's story. But that's not what made Zombieland cool. It wasn't cool because it was funny and zombies. It was also cool because you cared about these characters. Like, especially the stuff with Woody Harrelson and his reveal about it not being his dog that died, but his, his kid and stuff like that. Like, that's some heart-wrenching shit, bro. Mm -hmm. Definitely a good setup for a character to die. So that's, you know, to have that level of uh, emotion come out. And, you know, it would have made sense for him to, to cap himself at the end. Or not to cap himself, but to take one for the team or something, you know? I remember thinking that Tallahassee was going to die when watching Zombieland for the first time. Like, I thought that just made sense while watching it. So maybe maybe they do that in this one. I don't know. Who knows? They're adding a lot of extra characters. That's the only thing that gets me a little bit worried about this is, like, there's a, a lot of non-zombie people just popping up. And how long after the events of the first one is this supposed to happen? I get it's probably like 10 years because I mean, so they just never ran into anybody else in the last 10 years. But now all of a sudden there's like four or five, six people who just yeah. come out of the blue. Maybe unless, you know, they ran to people and they're just not part of their pack. I don't know. Well, yeah, the, the pretense set by the first movie is like, oh, the only person left standing is what Bill Murray. 
well, I was, and our main cast. I was actually going to say that. One thing I would really like for this one, I would love to see Bill Murray as a zombie. Like actually a zombie Actually now. a zombie. Like now because he's dead, now he's a zombie in the movie. So you get that Bill Murray connection again. I almost feel like they can't miss that one. You know, put him in there for five seconds just walking amongst the crowd or something. Yeah. You know? Or let him, much like they did the clown in the first movie, let him be the 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 major antagonist zombie for some reason. You know? <laughs> without, without making, don't make him into a, a monster. Don't make him into a brute. Don't make him smarter than any other zombie. Just make him be the one that shows up in the front of the crowd at the end of the movie. And I'll make it so like Tallahassee has to actually like kill him. Jesse Eisenberg, I think, technically killed him in the first one. Yeah, but like, shot him. Yeah. yeah. So now someone actually intentionally needs to kill Bill Murray. It'll be like, I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> That'd be good. And then Adam Driver is the one who actually comes out and, and does it, though. And he just tells them this isn't going to end well. <laughs> just every every zombie movie going forward in the world ends with like Adam Driver just cleaning up after the fact. And it's like, yeah, this is just another continuation on Dead Don't Die. We're just finishing that zombie apocalypse that we've opened up already. <laughs> Honestly, it's the only character of his I really like. It, it, was, it was the first time I ever watched anything with Adam Driver and been like, he's fucking good. Even The Force Awakens? I hate Kylo Ren. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I feel like, especially through, for, well, let's not talk too much about Star Wars on this uh, scary Yeah, we've been talking about a lot, right? Yeah. Well, any any of the swampies out there will tell you, every episode we do either links back to a Marvel movie or a Star Wars. We can't not talk about either of those two franchises because we're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, original writer from Zombieland is back on this also. Since then, wow. though, little fun fact, he has done Deadpool 1 and 2. Oh yeah, so there you go. That's fun. Okay, that's some that's some good intel right there. So this is actually pretty stacked up to be like what it should be. It sounds like like this sounds like it's gonna deliver at least maybe not as good as the first one, but it's gonna be like a rightful sequel because you have like a returning team on it, which is not easily done in Hollywood these days. It's funny now that you say that I can kind of when I think back to the Deadpool movies and I think back to the first Zombieland you can kind of see the, the coalescence between comedy and high action situations that he puts the characters into like I, the intro I remember very distinctly the intro to Deadpool 1 is he's you know on a mass killing spree basically while he's doing his own intro story. Yeah. Zombieland I feel like had a lot of that same like little quips and get this thing done very hysterically while the zombies are being shot at even, currently. Even you know? the, That's, the you know from whom the bells toll scene mm -hmm. is really funny but also like really gory and like intense at parts i remember there's another one part with like little kid zombies and stuff like that and it, yeah and, and one thing if i may reference the the Hobbs and shaw episode for a second not too much slow motion in any of those movies by the way yeah do you think that they're going to give us a lot of like they're going to like shoehorn a lot of political stuff in this because it looks like there is a giant set piece of them being in the uh, white house i'm sure there is which is unfortunate i really i was, hope I was gonna not. say i hope not I guarantee they're going to throw something out there. The writer on Doom is a writer on this also. Sick, so this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so there you go. Did you say Doom or Dune? Doom. As in The Rock. With The Rock. Yeah. yeah. One of the best action movies of all time. <laughs> it's no wonder he has the career he has now. After that and like The Babysitter or The Tooth Fairy or whatever. We kill them all. <laughs> That's a line in that movie. <laughs> Big fucking gun. Was The Rock the babysitter or was Vin Diesel the babysitter? I know The Rock Vin was Diesel the... babysat The Rock. Oh. <laughs> when, when he was just a pebble. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. You want to get out of this fucking trailer park? Yeah, let's get out of here. It smells like rotting corpses. Board the plane. <laughs> so we're talking scary stories to tell in the dark. 
Yes, ma'am. Now, I was really excited for this when Guillermo del Toro's name popped up on the screen when I saw the first trailer. Yeah. And then I found out he wasn't directing it. That made me sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, they pulled you, a fast one on us. They did. You can see his uh, his hands all over this, though. I think when you watch it, there was that one scene with all of those hands just rubbing everybody. Yeah, and they were clearly his. Yeah, I saw his hands all over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no. I did you get the, the Guillermo del Toro vibe while watching it? I did mostly in the scenes when you actually saw like creatures and stuff. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like a lot of it just felt I've, I've talked about. I have kind of like a horror fatigue lately. A lot of it just felt like some of the same stuff I've been seeing in like horror surrounding children. OK, like there's just like a lot of things that happen that kind of you can't avoid. Like the stuff of like, nobody believes us because we're kids and it's just spooky stories. And it's like, let's hop on our bikes and go somewhere. I don't need to see kids on bikes anymore. There's like this weird, like stranger things fucking phenomenon happening where like every movie has to have kids riding bicycles in the suburbs. I can't wait for you to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, what is your your relationship with these books? Because I didn't read these books until today. So, okay, we we talked about it a little bit when we did the trailer park for this one. I remember these books from when I was a kid, but I have never revisited them since like, you know, early like elementary school days. But I just remember like the imagery is so distinct. And like the second you see the cover of the book, you know exactly what the fuck it is. Like it just it's just burned into my brain. Like I will never not remember what that stuff looks like. So is like super iconic, especially for like growing up in like the late eighties, early nineties. So that's pretty much like the totality of my feelings on it is just like that nostalgia of remember seeing it from like childhood. But like, what, what about you duck? I think you might actually have a better recollection of these than I do. Or probably not Colin now. Cause he cheated and just read them <laughs> like a couple hours ago, but <laughs> So for me, it was it's actually kind of a saga that went into these books for me. So initially, I had found the first one in library, and I I want to say I was definitely in the seven eight year old range at this point. And my mom said, "Absolutely not! No, that book looks horrifying. Like you're not like I don't care if it says that on the you back do cover. not have hair on your nugs. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's an important feature of reading this book." <laughs> So I set up a, you know, me and my friend set it up. So one of them went and got it out of the library so we could all read it together. First night that we read it, we only read about, I want to say, a third of the book. Like, we, we were trying to pace ourselves knowing that, like, A, we could get caught if the wrong parent walks in the wrong time. And B, <laughs> it wasn't a very long book even for us at that time. You know, we knew we were going to blow through. Did you guys actually just take out a porno mag <laughs> from the library? <laughs> Did you lie to get on this podcast yes. again? <laughs> I mean, I won't tell you all my scary stories from the dark, but uh, scary stories to fap in the dark. (laughs) So me and my other seven to eight year old range friends, we're all circle jerking, right? (laughs) Thank you for bringing us up to speed. (laughs) And um, so so we we all individually. (laughs) So we all individually uh, went to bed that night. We we were having a sleepover. That's how we all read it together after the circle jerk. And. We all had our own individual nightmares about different stories that night. So immediately, first day, we've had hugely climactic situations occur, and then a nightmare. What nightmare? <laughs> so, um, so eventually, I still get those. <laughs> I woke up in a wet nightmare. <laughs> 
Freddy Krueger was first he was trying to murder me, then he started jerking me off, right? <laughs> oh, just a plate pick or something like that. But eventually, so two days later, one of the parents found the books. So we all got yelled at about this oh, or for, for this book. And eventually, so we kind of just like went our separate ways, but didn't really think about it again. And two years, because we were all going into fifth, fourth grade, fourth grade. So about nine years old now. The teacher suggests it to us. And we were all like, no, 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 no. That's awesome. I'm smarter than that even at nine years old. I'm not reading that book again. I ended up not turning in a book report about it. Okay. Because the teacher actually, this was part of the curriculum. She made it. And my mom was like, you didn't do a, your teacher called. You didn't do the book report. And I was like, you literally told me I wasn't allowed to read this book. And then you caught me reading the book. And it horrified me. And now you're yelling at me for not reading the book. <laughs> that was two years ago. I'm sure you've grown a lot since then. I mean, you've done circle jerks at this point. Like. <laughs> I mean, one or two hairs have approached the nugs of this. You know, like it's. Yeah. Eventually, though, I mean, I, I went to go buy the books myself after all this had happened. I, I bought a, a set of them through the moving process. I had lost them, unfortunately. Oh. And then just a couple years ago, I was at a, a Barnes and Nobles that had a used book section to it. And they had them all individually for like four dollars a pop, all three of the books. So oh, nice. I bought them all on the spot. And ha- I revisited them at the time, have not since I've watched the movie, gone back to them, though. So OK, I'm excited to yeah. say it was funny what Sky said. I never read them. But I knew what they looked like. Like the art on them is just very iconic. But after watching this movie, it made me like I left the theater and I said to Ryan, I was like, I'm going to buy the books. And I like pulled my phone out and bought them because I was like, I want to I want to read them. And uh, I don't know. I think I would have more attachment to it if I read it as a kid, because when I was reading them today, they didn't really scare me at all. <laughs> wow, you must feel like a real big man. But like the 30 year old who thought... bought the children's horror books wasn't scared by them. But you know what? You I... think you're hot shit, don't you? But tell me this after watching the movie, huh. riddle me this. Riddle me this, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> after watching the movie, don't you feel like they were trying to push the PG 13 rating? How do you mean? There's some scenes that are a little bit graphic. Oh, yeah, yeah. But also, like. At the same time, graphic, but there's no blood at all in this yeah. movie. There's like no blood. There's a little bit that they cover up most of it. Yeah, because that's the only way you can maintain but the like, PG-13. There's like a, a decapitated body that falls down. Like there's like numerous people that like get maimed. Yeah, there's violence in it. Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of blood because even if you think about the kills, it's like you know. I guess we're gonna get into heavy spoilers now, but like one kid gets absorbed into a belly. Yeah. The other kid turns into a scarecrow, like they're, and like the spider thing, like they crawl out of her, but like she just looks like she has fucking herpes all over her body, and they, she goes off into the hospital. They like show the side of her face, and if they had actually like turned her head, then yeah, it would have been really gory because she's basically got like a crater in her her cheek. <laughs> but when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, they're kind of like pushing the PG thirteen rating. Like the book is made for kids, but maybe it is that dark or that scary where it is warranted. Like maybe you should have done something like an R rating. And then I was reading it and a lot of them were like kind of goofy. I kind of feel like if I were, whenever I go back this week and, and look at those books, I kind of feel like it's almost going to be closer to dark poetry than actual horror stories, just in, in the short form way that they write the stories themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. They even have like poems in the book and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I remember some of them actually being full on poems. Yeah. So Andre Overdahl is the director on this. Sounds like a hockey player. He could have been a hockey player, but no, he he hasn't done that many movies. He directed though the autopsy of Jane Doe, which is not a bad movie. 
it's kind of one of those examples where you can get a lot out of a little. So that had me excited because he's done good shit already. And now he's got the backing of Guillermo del Toro behind him in his studio. So I thought that was really exciting. A little bit, I guess, leaves you cause for concern just because he doesn't have as much experience. But he's done good movies and he's he's got the uh, the studio of someone reputable behind him. The writers, though, Dan and Kevin Hagman, I think is how you pronounce the last name. They have done the Lego movie and then Hotel Transylvania. So I thought that was a little weird to be working on this. I guess kids' properties, but much different in tone. Yeah, like wildly different. Yeah. Especially in like Lego. Yeah. I mean, we're not the biggest fans of the other property, but... Yeah, Lego? Hate that shit. No, the... Well, the <laughs> Duplo uh... blocks all the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the Lego movies, but but uh, what was the Hotel other Transylvania. Yeah, Hotel Transylvania, not my thing. Yeah. And Guillermo del Toro is also a writer on this. Oh, okay. Oh, he's a writer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a writer on it and he produced it. But uh I mean, obviously the lo- he's he's known for using a lot of practical effects and that comes through with basically all but one of the creatures in this movie. And I love that. That's like something I love about all his movies. Like even like all the Hellboy movies, I love like the troll market scenes and stuff like that where you get all the creatures, uh the shape of water, Pan's Labyrinth. I, honestly, the one movie that I think of that I'm like this is a little weird because it's all CGI is Pacific Rim. Did he do that? Yeah. I didn't even For, know that. He didn't do the sequel, but he did the the original. I do have to say that the use of practical effects in this movie, like any time that there was a monster on screen, whether it was slowly or quickly moving towards a child, I was horrified based on the fact. It just, it feels so real whenever you go into the practical monster rather than a CGI monster. You can actually feel closeness to the child at one point during the movie. Like it was just like, oh my God, this is the most anxious thing I've ever seen. And it's actually a person in a costume walking up to this kid right now, you know? Yeah. We'll go into all the individual set pieces, but super effective with what they do with the practical effects in this movie. Right. But with the practical effects, because in this movie, you can feel that difference when it is a CGI creature Mm -hmm. versus I think mixing the two mediums almost does a disservice to its CGI. Let's get through the cast and then we'll get to that. Yeah, before we start picking it apart. Yeah. Zoe Margaret Coletti plays Stella. She was in a movie that I watched a few weeks ago. She was in Skin. And then she was in a movie that you would know a lot about, Sky Wildlife, because I talked about it for an hour on our duties episode. I feel like I've watched it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Garza, he plays Roman. He is done mainly all TV, except for, I think he was in Mockingjay Part 1, the Hunger Games movie. Gabriel Rush plays Augie. He's actually been in the most, like, he probably has the most clout out of any of the kid actors in this movie, and he is the first one to bite the bullet. (laughs) He leaves the earliest out of it. Spoiler alert, I guess. He's the jock douche. No, no, he's out of, out of like the friends. He's oh he, yes, okay, yeah. Moonrise Kingdom though, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Sky the Kitchen. Oh, I just watched that. Yeah, I did not recognize him in it. You didn't? No, you didn't. You didn't pick up on that? Okay, whatever. Not at that's, all. That's fuck you. Hardly, <laughs> hardly even a movie critic. <laughs> Austin's a jury plays Chuck. I know him from Fist Fight. Also ridiculous. One of the connections on this movie is Fist Fight, that stupid movie with Charlie Day, where nice. he tell, where in the bloopers he tells a kid that he's going to shove his poop back into his butthole. <laughs> That's actually pretty dope. <laughs> but Dean Norris, who plays Roy from Breaking Bad, Death Wish, he's also in Fist Fight. There's a pretty good cast on it. None of the actors are anyone that's going to stand out to you, but I like a lot of these kids in it. Yeah. I'd say like your main kids I like. I really liked the like curly-haired kid, the one who's like a little bit more like crass. He's like fishing the poop out of the toilet like early yeah, on. Yeah, that's Austin uh, Zizier from Fist Fight. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. He was actually the one I liked the most. I vibed with his character. I thought he was cool. Yeah. I guess let's let's get into it. There's some good tension in this movie. At least I thought so. Did you think so? Yeah, I felt that. Okay. 
I absolutely, I like I said before, anything that when a practical monster came into play, I was like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. <laughs> Dude, I was getting nervous when they were just down in that basement. I'm like, someone's going to shut a door. Get the fuck out of there. Why do you just walk into the darkness? There's like chains and like locks on stuff. It would be so easy to just be trapped down there and no one will ever know where to find you. Like have a point person at the top of the stairs, like think this through. Yeah. I mean, they're kids, whatever. But mm -hmm. I would see that house and be like, I don't care. You guys can call me a pussy. I'm going the fuck home. Fuck this place. There's straight up a dungeon in the basement. I'm, I'm out, <laughs> out of here. <laughs> There's actually uh, one of the short stories is about someone being like, hey, you should like spend a night in this haunted house for like money or whatever. And, then shit, and then shit goes, goes sideways. That's but like a very classic like common like campfire scary story trope it seemed Anyways. it seemed like there was like five or six stories that they like really tried to stay faithful to but then there's like very subtle parts from other ones that they try to like throw in there like little elements of them but yeah i actually said to someone at work after i saw this this movie had more moments that i felt tense than basically any horror movie i've seen this year i'm trying to think of them but i know like recently the curse of la Llorona i watched uh it was not tense a single time Annabelle comes home was pretty shitty. Pet Cemetery was awful. Hated that. Yeah. I didn't even watch it. I just listened to your guys' review, frankly, and I was like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. No, I'm over this. Uh, I think this. Crawl, crawl had good tension. Yeah. Crawl... Midsummer had good tension. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Crawl and Crawl and Midsummer are probably better than this in terms of doing that, but there's very effective use of tension in this. I felt, and uh, I didn't really feel like there was. Was there any jump scares? Yes. Maybe, maybe, two. Mm, more. Really? Yeah, there. I twice wrote down super telegraphed jump scares. Which ones do you think were telegraphed? Because there's one that stood out to me, and when they first get to the house, there's like three that happen in a short amount of time, and it's like they're fucking with each other. It's like when the kids are like jumping out and scaring each other. Mm -hmm. But okay, that's that one's cheap. Yeah, they're... and and like when he's hiding in the closet, and the room changes, and the lady, and then he closes the door, then like just some things. I'm just like. This is what's going to happen. happen here. There was a few, though, that like I liked when he was under the bed and the girl grabbed him and pulled him away. You knew it was going to happen. But I think the part that is scary about that is more the visuals than the actual jump scare, at least for me, because they yeah. do a good job with the practical effects and stuff like that. I kind of feel like it goes back to what you were saying about tension, because like going up to that, you know, him crawling under the bed and everything. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Where's it coming from? I don't even know. Like, I know the monster's in there. I don't know where it's coming from. And then when it grabbed him, I was like, oh, OK, I can finally chill out and know this kid's dead. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank God. God. <laughs> this kid's dead. <laughs> The whole time I'm holding my breath, like, I don't really want to see this monster. The first three were really scary, and I don't, you know, like that's That's one of the first stories in the first volume is the, the big tail one. And I think that one, they combined two different ones. There's, like, a different illustration that looks exactly like the girl from the big toe in a different story. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that, that one you would know better than me, right? It's been a couple of years since I opened up the book, so. Yeah, when I, I noticed that one. What was, what was your favorite story that they put in? It wasn't even that it was my favorite story, but it was my favorite scene, the way that it played out. Now, the way it ended, I wasn't super in love with, but there's one that I love in this. The, I hall, wonder if the hallways, like in that hospital with like the- With the, re the red room? Yes, That's the my red favorite room. one, yeah. The way that that is shot, the cinematography there, fucking awesome. That knocked me back in my seat because I just wasn't expecting that level- of like craft in it, but the way that it like shot the halls and it wasn't cutting, it was literally moving mm -hmm. and moving and moving with him down the hall. And then it was turning, but it was like 
it wasn't just being like cut to him, cut down the hall, cut down the other hall, cut. And he's running a different way. Like it actually like moved with him in a way that made you feel like you were also trapped, trapped. in there. Yep. And also just the design of like all of this, like honeycomb of hallways with that like ominous red light and this slow approaching figure. Like I really liked the way that that was shot and it stood out against the rest of the movie. I also think that that creature design was the creepiest out of any creature in this movie. I feel like if any scene in this movie screened Guillermo del Toro, that that was what I was just like, holy crap, this is the horror movie I was not expecting to get into at this movie today. Yeah, that that scene had staying power for me. When me and Ryan left the theater, we were like t- just talking about it. And then Ryan looked it up and he was like, holy shit, like this looks exactly like the illustration, too. And then at, we're reading them today. They did a great job with like recreating like the the images and the characters and stuff. It definitely like by far is like the standout moment of the entire film. And also my favorite character dies in that scene. So, yeah. Now, do you think that they're setting up for a sequel? Yes. Yeah. I figured. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of the vibe that I got to. Now, I, I have a theory on this. So I think we're we're ramping into a quadrilogy with these movies, believe it or not. Sky, I know you love that that phrase. You don't like quadrilogy? I hate it. Just yeah. keep it a trilogy and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I honestly... So my thought on this is that you set up the scares in Scary Stories Tell the Dark, more scary stories, and then Scary Stories 3. Mm-hmm. And I think the fourth movie is, is your final resolution, is the kids trying to figure out I don't I, I don't think it would do it justice to do the three movies and then at the thir- end of the third one, which in my opinion does have some of the scarier stories in it altogether, wrap up and have a conclusion and have them, you know, whether or not they're going to bring, well, you know, wh- whatever could be the, the final end of this story. I don't think that it would do it justice to the to the whole thought process to do it on the third movie. I think you would need a fourth movie for resolution in this. See, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, clearly you don't remember Alita where they shoved five movies into one movie, but then still were like, we're going to make other movies too. <laughs> I was going to say, though, they they didn't pull all the stories from just one book for this, though. Like, there's there's one from two and like there's a few from three. I know the Scarecrow for sure is in three. I was going to say, I remember the Scarecrow not being in the first. I couldn't remember which one it came to, but I remember it not being in the first one specifically. But there's there's a few that would definitely make like a really good movie or like set piece in a movie. One of the ones that really stuck with me today that I was reading was one where this person's getting calls in their house. And it's basically like this person be like, I'm like, I'm coming for you. Like, I'm going to be there in like an hour, basically. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, like they the person gets freaked out and they call like like 911 or whatever. And they're like, can you trace this call? And they're like those calls have been coming from your, your like your house, like a phone in your attic this entire time. And the person was in their house the entire time. Totally. And I was like, damn, that one, that would, that's like real fucked up level shit like that. I would love to see that in a movie, but yeah, I mean, they, they could just pull from other ones. Cause I think that's what, I think they're just pulling from the ones that maybe fit the story the best. So, so you, you don't see my quadrilogy theory coming to play then. I don't know if you need it necessarily, but I kind of wanted to get into the writing on this mm-hmm. to get into that. what did you think of it? At moments, I think in terms of like maybe the structure and stuff, I was like, all right, I'm fine. I'm fine with all of this. There were some lines of dialogue though that stuck out like a sore thumb where Ooh, I just had to oh, roll my eyes at. Yo, like, that hard. one, that one. Is it? Uh, you don't read the book. Oh. The book reads you. <laughs> yep, I left out loud in that in the theater. <laughs> I rolled my eyes yeah. so fucking hard. I'm like, really? The book reads you? And then. <laughs> It's stuck like in continuity and they kept saying like, I don't want the book to read me and be like, what, what is the book reading about me now? And they kept using it like the lingo in this universe is the book is reading you. Stupid. Yeah, I stupid. I know. I uh, 
I definitely felt that the book is just a bunch of one-offs. They're just short stories. I couldn't decide if I would have rather have seen a bunch of short stories or this. Because I like that they tried to package it in like one thing and they put it like all the scary stories are in this vessel. But I thought the vessel was like really bland. So you're kind of like you would almost prefer like a like the VHS movies almost where it's like a horror movie anthology. Or maybe give me like like a Ballad of Buster Scruggs type thing where they all converge at the like the end or something like that. But like, I don't don't know, man. I just felt like everything about it was really generic kind of. And there's a lot of parts with the story where they're like, oh, this needs to be in here. Like there's the one part where like the kid for no reason in the story is just like, I have dreams about a red room and it's really scary. And then like two minutes seconds later or whatever like they're in the red room like it didn't seem like the actual story was thought out it just seemed like they had a bunch of things that they needed to loosely tie together to get from story to story yeah i get that i think some of that though and like what you're talking about it being generic links back to my thing about like this stranger things aspect of like what people like about horror. like i feel like stranger things was such a hit that studios look at that and go why do people like that because they're kids and sometimes they say like adult words and then they're in dealing in like scary, like adult situations. And be like, all right, good. Grab five kids, make them all look different. One girl in the group, put them on a bicycle. There you go. And they're all copy and pasting now. So this movie does suffer from that because it is a very of this time cliche that's happening specifically within the last like three years, basically. Yeah. It's, I mean, this it summer of 84 um stranger things child's play did a little bit of that child's play maybe a little bit in like rim of the world or whatever the fuck that was called even though it was a lot of that that's just a full-blown fucking trying to bank on yeah (laughs) the stranger pop pop culture stuff yeah Yeah. but no i you're definitely seeing it a lot and i kind of feel like the writing should have been better because guillermo del toro was involved Is that just me or no? Like, and there's other writers in that room too who are good at writing well thought out scripts because, like, we see that in especially like the Lego movies, like the way that those flow and the way that those play on certain themes. Like, it's very good. It's also more towards comedy, so maybe that's where it kind of fell a little bit for them. Maybe they're not having like worked on a lot of horror properties. They just didn't really have the right way to kind of piece everything together. Or maybe there's stuff that was left on the cutting room floor that might've helped in certain situations. Yeah, maybe. I almost wonder, cause you said this had a couple different writers, right? It was Gamble del Toro as well as a couple or yeah. at least one of the writer. Yeah. There's, there's like, five writers five on writers. This. yeah i almost wonder sometimes with these movies that like they're like all right gilmore del toro you worry about the the actual horror scenes and we'll get the guy from hotel transylvania to tie it all together at the, you know like that's <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just makes sense all right they have done horror hotel transylvania it's dracula fucker <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's where whereas i i feel like the moments where they were really really trying to push horror in this movie it worked extremely well yeah and the times in between was wondering when the next horror event was going to occur. You mm-hmm. know, that I was just kind of waiting for the next situation. I feel like a lot of these screenwriters in Hollywood lie on their resume or at least just stretch the truth. Like in that instance where they're just like, can you write horror? They're like, I wrote a scene for Dracula and Frankenstein. So <laughs> in hotel Transylvania, <laughs> Played by Adam Sandler and like Kevin James or some shit. Like, uh, oh, so that's the real horror. Yeah, the real horror is I worked on an Adam Sandler film after like 2010. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> 
what I said earlier about when I was reading it and it like wasn't like really that scary. I remember everyone when they were younger being like, these books are terrifying. It seemed like they tried to push, the, at least in my mind, I, I felt like they were pushing the PG-13 rating to give the adults who maybe had read the books a little bit more, but still leaving it PG-13 so kids can go see it now and have the same effect that the books did when we were kids. Does that make sense? Because that's kind of how I felt what they tried to do with this movie. And if that's what they were going for, I think they did hit their mark because the horror aspects, I think, are very effective. I think you're completely right on that. I honestly think that this movie was made kind of half and half in mind with, with people more our age remembering and being reminiscent of it. And people like they do still have to sell to the younger kid demographics. That is who these stories are written for initially. There has to be in it for something in it for everybody. And I, and I do kind of feel like they hit that fairly well, honestly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the scenes are like, really dark like the shit that's happening is kind of fucked up yeah and especially when you go into like the girl's backstory not not the main character girl but the girl who wrote the book i've already forgot her fucking name but uh, sarah bellows sarah bellows and like when you're listening back to the audio of her basically just being tortured i was just like damn this is getting like gnarly for a movie that i'm assuming is kind of targeting a younger demographic anyways yeah but i can see this really hitting at like a middle school age going to see this movie and thinking like this was fucking cool even without seeing like full-blown gore there's still good horror in it you know yeah i think if i had seen this when i was in like middle school i would have been all about it Especially because I went back and rewatched Van Helsing like a month ago, and I was like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, this could be the great uh, segue into everybody's first Lady in the Water experience, for all we know. So oh, there you go. Yeah. We talk about it a lot on this show. The way that bullies are written. Oh, dude, the bullies <laughs> in this movie. What the fuck? Yeah. And another thing, besides the fact that Hollywood writes bullies in like the dumbest way. Because, like, obviously they want you to hate these guys. Why, as a child, does anybody ever start playing sports for school? Because <laughs> you would just watch movies and see, like, look at this guy on the soccer team, the baseball team, the football team. What a fucking tool. I don't want to be that person. I am shocked that more schools aren't cutting, like, athletic programs <laughs> from kids just being like i don't want to play football look at fucking joey johnson from scary stories he's a fucking prick i don't want to be that guy because i hated i hated this guy his face not only the face that he is born with but the face that he makes the whole time his like mouth is never closed close your fucking mouth you fucking geek yeah like what the fuck is you mouth breather like son of a bitch like eat it harold yeah eat it harold i was rooting for harold yeah i was like yeah get yours <laughs> it's funny because like any character in a movie that is like an over-the-top bully who's on the sports team is wearing a letterman jacket like that's like the one thing like just give him a Letterman jacket. It's so douchey. <laughs> I think it's your, it's your tried and true bully calling card, honestly. That's the, the Letterman. <laughs> and so many of these movies, how many of these movies are about the cool kid in school? I mean, it's always the underdog, the outcast, the knockdown, whatever you want to call him. And it's the bully is there picking up. You know, there are no, what's the last, what, We Are the Titans was in the last friendly story about football players or, you know, any kind of sport player, really? Yeah, all that racism was really friendly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There was that part of that movie. I forgot about that. Remember when they threw that brick through Denzel Washington's movie <laughs> or through his window? What a friendly neighbor. What, what a knee slapper. <laughs> hey, Denzel, heard you were building a shed. You might need some bricks. <laughs> All right, fine. Radio then. Whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. 
Little Giants. Little Giants. There yeah. you go. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> <laughs> That movie was sad. He didn't have parents. <laughs> also, nobody played sports well until the Angels jumped in, to be fair, too. Yeah. So. Everybody sucked until God was involved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. One thing I did want to say that, that is scene-specific, and you alluded to it in the beginning of this, there is one set piece, it's towards the end of the film, where the creature is not practical effects, and it is entire CGI, and it is noticeably bad. <laughs> it's... You're talking jangly? Yeah, the jangly man. Now, do you think Guillermo del Toro just walked out of the room for that one? Or how do you think that one came? I mean, the, the, the character himself, he has to be able to disconnect and reconnect. There's a whole thing about him, but like... Um, I think it's the budget. Oh. Yeah. You got that insider tip. Yeah. I also think, like, kind of to what you're talking about, Duck, the design of the character doesn't really allow for practical effects. Yeah. It's really tough. Maybe walking a line of, like, a mix of practical and CGI. Like, you have somebody in a suit... And it's like all green screen because you can you can detach like once they're green screen, do you like you just like delete out limbs and stuff when you need to? Yeah. But yeah, it, it might have been something that's like really not easy to choreograph with a real human, especially when you have somebody who is consistently contorting, contorting. Yeah. in a way that no person can. You know what is weird about that, though? That monster creature thing, that is not even one of the stories in the books in like it's there. But they combined two of them to make that set piece. So, like, it was weird to me, especially after... I said the same thing. I was like, I don't like the CGI on that. Like, it's it sticks out when everything else in the movie looks really good. And then I was reading the book, and I was like, really weird that they would focus their energy on making something kind of new, whereas they could have just done something that was already there and do it practical effects and make it look really good. And the creature himself wasn't really like scary or like intimidating to me. Like maybe it was because of the CGI. I was just not believing it or just not feeling it. Like it didn't, I don't know. It seemed like the other things were like way more horrifying. The only thing that like actually like unsettled me wasn't so much the design of the character. It was just how freaking loud the theater was. My theater when I was in it was really loud. As in like the, the, the moviegoers were screaming or no, is no, it no, like, like the, just the volume was too high? The, the actual theater. the actual theater like volume was really loud. So whenever that thing like roared or did anything or contorted in the sounds, they were like super loud mm. and it like exaggerated everything. So I found myself unsettled by that part, but I think it was more so with the sound design or just how loud the theater was. And I didn't even say this. I told this to Sky last night. That was a 10 o'clock showing. I was in the theater with Ryan at 10.05 and nothing was playing. Like not not even the like the movie news before the trailers or anything, huh. and we sat in the movie theater until about ten sixteen, and then someone got up and they're like, "I'm gonna see what's going on," and he left, and then he came back. And he's like, "They didn't know a movie was playing right now," and then someone came in the theater and just turned the movie on, no trailers, nothing. So like maybe they didn't adjust like the speakers in the theater or something like that, because it was super loud and it no trailers. They just started it. So did they come in and give you a free ticket for that? No. See, last time, whenever me and my wife had gotten into a situation like that, they at least came through and handed out free tickets for everybody to come in. They're probably like, oh, you scumbags using the A-list. <laughs> <laughs> you swampies. Yeah. The only other thing I really wanted to say was I like that they chose to do this as like a period piece, kind of. I was actually going to ask, why did they do that? What purpose did it serve the greater story? Well, I think if cell phones are involved in any fucking uh, movie now, I got you. it cuts down tension. So basically, they have to figure out a way to write out cell phones. Probably. <laughs> got it. But I don't know if that's also... I mean, I like... Just the aesthetic. I like the old drive-in movies. I like that it's kind of like, it's an old horror, like old school type movie. And I like that there was black and white horror movies. I like that it you know, takes place on Halloween. 
don't know. I just like I just like the aesthetic of the movie, and I thought that was cool. Also, uh, Stranger Things is a purity piece, so mm, there you go. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were drawing allusions to that being the archetype of what how people are writing this kind of mid age or not mid age, but like younger age horror right now. So then I'll at least give them credit for setting it in the late 60s as opposed to going with the 80s because like 80s vibe is like huge right now. Mm-hmm. It's just like people are buying that shit up. Yeah. But yeah, they if there were cell phones in this movie, how easy would it have been to like warn people of things? Because the, there's the one scene where they're trying to get to the sister that was really good. If they had a cell phone, they could have just fucking called her. <laughs> it's like, yo, you got spiders in your face. <laughs> I want to touch on that spiders on the face scene for a second. So, you know, the spiders erupting out of her face and you, the whole situation going down. And then soon after, there are no spiders in the room at all whenever the ne- the kids come in to come in and help her. Did you guys notice that during the movie? Yeah, dude. The spiders were in her mind. She just had, like, fucking scabies or something, right? That's what I got out of it. <laughs> that, that's, I was going to kind of draw lines. Yeah, yeah, I agree. My question was, did she die? Because it was super confusing. Because no, they of... showed her at the end. What? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. When they're in the car and she's basically just like, we're going to find them and save them. And they cut to the backseat and she's in the backseat. She's got a big scar on her face. Okay. So I remember them bringing her out of like the high school right after. But then like later, her brother, the red room guy, he said something like, this person's dead. My sister's gone. I'm like, oh, did she die from that? And then later they're like, yeah, that kid's sister's locked up in a mental institution for the rest of her life. And I'm like, so she didn't die? I'm like, I don't get it. I thought like all these stories were supposed to like, the kids disappear. That's the end of every one of these is like, they were never seen again. Yeah, she was the sole one that they saved because they got there in time. It's whack. It's a little inconsistent. (laughs) It's whack. (laughs) (laughs) Word. (laughs) Word to your mother. That was part of why I was like, oh, I guess you're going with a sequel on this. Last time I was on this podcast, we were going to see a movie that I knew a little bit about, and the movie ends on, there's definitely a sequel coming, and this time, go to the movie, excited to do the podcast, in the end... There's definitely a sequel coming. Like, what, why is that a trend these days? Like, why why does every movie we have to make into two, three, four movies, seven movies, eight saws, whatever it is? <laughs> eight, it's eight saws. That was eight the, saws. That was the original vision. It's all about the money. They need to set it up because worst case scenario, it doesn't pan out. Okay, well, we made our one movie. I'll tell you why. What? I saw the ending to the 1998 Godzilla, and they were like, that's what I want to be. <laughs> that's how we do it. <laughs> No, I don't know. You know what? Now that you mention it, I'm starting to think it's your fault, Ducky. Every time we're like, we need to have you on an episode, they're like, we're going to make five of these movies. So <laughs> we need to start having you on better movies. <laughs> yeah, let's bring you on for like like a Tarantino movie. Then he's just going to make five and call it one movie. Yeah. <laughs> Ten more films. Ten more films. <laughs> yeah, you got anything else? I don't, but I feel like you got something for me. And you got something for our guest here. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little something called Tomato Tomatoes. Tomato, tomato. The critics, they're bringing this in at an 81%. The audience, tomato, they're bringing it in at a 71%. So that is a C minus to a B minus. All right. Well, I say... Well, I thought the guests... Let the guests... Come, come yeah. On. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was no, going to throw to our guests. You fucking scumbag. <laughs> you fucking swampy that's fuck. That's a swampy move. That's a real, <laughs> you're a real swampy for that one. <laughs> you swampy for this one. Boys, boys, stop fighting over me. <laughs> Wow, so this is one of the few that I, I mean, I've, I've seen almost, or listened to almost every episode you guys have done now. I see very few where the critics are higher than the audience. Maybe that's yeah. just what I've noticed, but like, that's, 
very rarely do I see the, the audience underneath the critics. I think the audience is much more forgiving, usually. That's what I would say, yeah. I think what you mean, the audience is much more stupid, usually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you nailed it. Can I take that one again? <laughs> <laughs> For me, though, I'm going to have to put this movie at Tomato. Tomato, really? Yeah. I, I did enjoy parts of it. I really, really did. And, and the, some of the horror elements were... Some of my favorite things that I've seen in a movie this year, honestly. Mm -hmm. But overall, the story tying all the individual bits together really didn't kind of hold it together for me personally. Um, that being said, I mean, the actors were pretty strong. I, I didn't really dislike anybody as far as their acting goes, more, more so their characters within the story. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, yeah, I, and I had a good time. What, what, what would your letter grade be? You got a letter grade? I, I would probably give it a C. I would go a little bit higher than a 71, probably about a 75 C range, honestly. Right. What do you got? I'm not too far off, but I'm actually going to go tomato only because it's slightly closer to my grade. I wouldn't put it as high. I wouldn't put it in that B minus, but I'm not that far off. I'm giving it a C plus because mm -hmm. really the biggest thing that went against it is some of those cliches, which it's kind of like. Maybe it's more my fault for just seeing everything, <laughs> but like, it's not like super like egregious with like shit dialogue. There are some moments that make you roll your eyes, but it's also not for like grown ass people to be like, this is real art, but that's all the more reason why I like that, that red room scene, like that really blew me away. Like there is a lot of craft behind it. I liked the practical effects, like the biggest thing, bringing it down, bad CGI on the jangly man. And then the fucking you know, slight moments of cliche horror garbage. Yeah. But all in all, I left the theater. I was like, that was a good time at the movies. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to buy it, but I wasn't mad watching it. I left the theater feeling fine. Yeah. Like feeling good. I'm also going tomato and I'm also going C plus. Dude, I you and I have been like, we've had some synergy lately. Yeah. We really like hit a fucking groove. I mean, it also makes sense because we're seeing all of the same movies. <laughs> so like, I feel like we're sandwiching these these movies for the pod between like dog shit movies. So when you watch two Fs and then you come across a movie like this, you're gonna be like, This was pretty yeah. good. Like I'm gonna rank this higher. Not I feel that like C plus is like through the roof. I feel but. like I need to justify myself and just be like, I did not like C plus. This is my phone long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I same thing. I really, really love like it was almost a B minus for me just because of how much I love the practical effects on these movies, in particular Guillermo del Toro's movies. That alone is worth admission, in my opinion, because you're not going to see anything like that in any other movie. And I, you know, definitely spend money to go see this movie because I think it is unique and I think it does a lot of good things with attention. I just really didn't like the story, the actual like story. And basically, and the, we didn't even talk about this. The way it ends is so like out of nowhere. He, oh, she's yeah. basically just like, I'm gonna tell people your story. And then she's like, Okay. And like that like dope. Down, <laughs> I'm down with that. We didn't yeah. When I when I left the theater, I same thing. I was like, I enjoyed that. I thought it was gonna be a little bit better though. Yeah. That's again so. why it's not like through the roof. I mean, like, I'm talking about giving it maybe like a seventy seven tops. Yeah. Tops. I was I think I Maybe I'm, I am closer to a C then. Like maybe like seventy five is actually probably better. Uh, I was gonna say I am right on the edge of like C minus or C plus B minus. Like oh I, wow! Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm still sticking with my grade. I'm still. Yeah, I'm fine no, with the C plus. I'm, I'm C plus too. We don't need to be stingy with it. Like it's not like it's gonna be a thing where like, oh no, they only gave this many A's. They're real scumbags on that show. Don't listen to them. <laughs> like, 
It doesn't matter. Guillermo del Toro is not going to be coming to the couch now because of that rating, just so you guys know. No, he should because I blew his Hellboy movies in my review of the new Hellboy movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is basically our like circumventing not having done the new Hellboy reboot. It's like, all right, well, at least we get to talk about Guillermo. So, yeah. Not that he had anything to do with the reboot, but you know. Well, he wanted to do Hellboy 3, and the studio was like, no, no, we're going for an edgier we, we vibe. We got gold here. <laughs> we have a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. The uh, the budget on this was $25 million, by the way. Wow, that's a lot. You think that's a lot? I think that's a lot for what we got. Look at other movies that we've got recently that were like in the budget of like 6 to $10 million. I'm thinking like Brightburn and stuff like that. Like Midsummer and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I got more out of those than like 25, I know is not a lot of money in like Hollywood terms, but it kind of is for horror terms. Yeah. It's a little bit on the higher scale, especially just considering like, I didn't feel like we got, I I don't feel like that money got us any more out of this movie than other movies have done this year with less. You know what I mean? I'm curious how much it costs to do practical effects right the way that he does it like when they're the big scale puppets and stuff like that or costumes i wonder how much it costs to make one of those and all the time prototyping it and stuff beforehand i was just about to ask you guys if you know what really at the end of the day what costs more the the uh, supremely awesome practical effects or the cgi like i really don't know say it's cgi i think the cgi still probably costs more i i I would assume unless it's outsourced like that's the thing. A lot of CGI is getting outsourced now for cheaper. But I would also feel like maybe for a movie like this, if they're using more practical effects than they really are CGI, they might be spending on this movie more for practical, even though it's more cost effective. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. more of their budget might have been towards practical effects than CGI because really the only CGI was like turning the kid into straw, morphing the kid into the fat lady's belly, and then all of the jangly man. But, yeah, like uh, the ghost at the end and like... But in terms of like the runtime of the movie, you're not spending that much time watching something in CGI, which is another reason why I didn't... If if like all the creatures were CGI, this movie would probably be like a D minus for me. Yeah. The, the criticism that I would give to to improve on the next movie would be like, you know, hire whoever's under Jim Henson's umbrella at this point to do the Jangly Man, if you're going to bring him back. And uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, kind of just stay on this path. I, I'm not... I wouldn't be upset if the next movie felt similar to it, like if it wasn't really like if they didn't do much better, but they kept it at the same line, I'll be happy with that next movie too. I think, I think the problem would be is if this movie is successful, they'll give it more money and they'll want more CGI. Like the studio will want more of that because they don't care about craft and art. They just want the money. I don't know though. I, I if think it speeds up production, maybe, and they just want to push it out. And especially if Guillermo is just like, well, I'm not doing another one, and they're just like, we're we're okay, gonna that, we're yeah. gonna run this train without you, so we don't give a fuck. Okay, yeah. If that's the case, then I could definitely see it. If he's part of it though, I think I think he's gonna. Do you think he would want to be? Like, why do we need more of this? Why? For what? It seems like a lot of the things he does are things that he's genuinely like. He genuinely loves. Like, would you have thought that Guillermo del Toro was going to do a fucking giant Japanese robot movie or like yeah. a Hellboy movie? Of course. When, or what was that other movie he did? Didn't he do that one with like the fucking tooth fairies? I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm I'm not I'm not grabbing I'm not grabbing I the thought name. Katie Holmes was in it. Whatever, dude. Don't be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark's the one that he was involved in. And he was a writer on that one. But yeah, I mean, it seems like he does a lot of like weird stuff, but he has said like with Hellboy, like that's one of my favorite. I wanted to do something like that. He probably loved these books. I mean, good for him. Maybe he should like up his reading level. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. You're reading shit that was made for children in the eighties. It's like third grade reading level. Maybe uh, 
bump that up a little bit. He's looking at you. Read some read some Poe. He's pulling his Oscar right out of his ass. He's just like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I, I guess we did it. Nick, thanks for thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate you coming, chilling on the futon. Hey, you know, I will always take this spot on the futon when you guys want me here. I feel like you'll take it even if we don't want you here. <laughs> There's not much we can do. <laughs> We've been wanting to get more guests, though. We have to figure out how to do things remotely. That's one thing that right now we're limited with. We can only have people on the futon for it. And even that is a shit show. But yeah, like always... Go to our site, twodudesmoviereviews.com. Follow us on Instagram. Yep. And we're doing a contest still. We need, I think, 10 or 11 more reviews. Write us a five-star written review on iTunes, and you get entered for a contest. You can win yourself some free swag, T-shirts. You can wear our face all over your chest. It's awesome. Dream come true for all of you, I'm sure. I want to get my face tattooed on my chest. I actually already have your face tattooed on my chest. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. But you know what? Actually, Ducky has at least one review up on our website now. We might even have some more coming up soon. I know I got a couple in the chamber I'm going to be working on. Colin just posted up a new one, but you can see written reviews on there. We got outside contributors. So there's a lot of stuff to check out on that website, twodudesmoviereviews.com. And like like Colin said, you find everything that we're doing on there. But yeah, you you fucking swampies already know what to do. You swampies out there, you've been uh, you've been along this ride for a minute. Unless you're a first time swampy, and uh, in which case, I'm very sorry for the way I've addressed you this whole time. And we appreciate you listening. And on that, I just want to tell you to suck it, you fucking swampy. Swamp, I might not. <laughs> <laughs>